Greetings, New Hope family, and anyone else who may be uh, joining in to watch this uh, video today. Um, certainly appreciate uh, the faithfulness of everyone who watched last week and, and the response that we received online uh, concerning that. And I hope today will be a blessing for you as well. Uh, before we dive into our text today, I want to first of all just encourage uh, our New Hope family. I am so uh, thankful for the many reports that I've received about how you are all reaching out to one another and encouraging each other during this difficult time. And I just want to challenge you to, uh, to keep it up. Um, this is the second full week of our quarantine and things are getting more restrictive uh, as far as the government expectations for our travel and, and all of that. And so uh, it really becomes even more important that we are intentional in reaching out to one another. So we've done great so far. Let's continue to excel at that uh, in the days and weeks to come. And let's continue to be faithful to lift one another up in prayer as well. Uh, last week, we spent some time focusing on Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 28 through 30, which focuses on how... Um, God is sovereign over our trials and, and really everything that we face in this life. And, and my purpose in choosing that text was to remind us who is in control and also to, uh, to be mindful of uh, ways that we can be looking for how God's hand is at work in the midst of our trials. Today, uh, we're going to be looking in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, which really uh, focus, focuses on how we should live as those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ our Lord. I want to read those verses to you and then uh, pray, and then we'll dive right in. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you for your word, and I pray that as uh, we uh, look into it uh, this day, Lord, that your spirit would be at work, Lord, be at work in me as I preach from what has been studied and be at work in the hearts and minds of those who watch and listen to this message, uh, Lord, that you would do your good work in our lives. Lord, equip us to be faithful uh, during this pandemic. Uh, Lord, help us to be fervent in our love for one another and in our love for you. Uh, and Lord, may we be quick to take opportunities as you provide them to glorify you in our lives. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you for this day, and I pray that uh, you would help us uh, to, to honor you in all that we do, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
As I mentioned, we're in the book of Hebrews, and really we're jumping right into what could be considered the application section of the book of Hebrews. Uh, I'd like to give you a little context, as that's very important. Uh, these verses are powerful, and they're even more powerful as we consider them in the context of, uh, of the entire letter. Now, uh, the book of Hebrews is, was written by, well, we're not really sure. Uh, the author is unknown, um, and although the audience is not identified in the letter itself, the, the letter gives us plenty of clues as to who the author was writing to. And, and it's likely that, that these were Jewish Christians uh, who lived in either Alexandria or Rome. They were Greek-speaking Jews, Hellenistic Jews is what they're referred to as. Uh, and uh, as we look at the, the letter itself, um, we see that it, it, it sets forth Jesus as being the, the fulfillment of the Old Testament law and the sacrificial system. Some have referred to the book of Hebrews as the better letter. Uh, and that's because the writer shows these Jewish believers and also unbelieving Jews that were uh, associated with them why Jesus is better than Moses, why Jesus is, is greater than the high priest, why, why he is uh, the ultimate fulfillment of the sacrificial system and, and even the, the, the better sacrifice and so on. Um, and uh, the reason the writer does this is because um, it's important that we understand how the Old and New Testament work together and why Jesus is so central in, our, uh, in a proper understanding of what we read in the Old Testament as well. Uh, now, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the, the writer of Hebrews uses the metaphor of life as a race really to call Christians to be more faithful. And as I look at three, these three verses uh, today with you, I, I'm going to do so under three headings. The first being uh, the importance of preparing to run well. Secondly, running with our eyes on Jesus. And then finally, enduring because Jesus himself endured for us. Uh, so let's look first at, at what it means to prepare to run well in the beginning of verse 1. The, the writer of Hebrews begins, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, again, we need context here, right? Therefore, uh, we find that right at the beginning of verse 1. And, and when we see that word, therefore, it's important that we back up and, and see what came before it. Uh, because as I remind you on Sunday mornings, that that's what it's there for. We, we want the context. So as we back up, uh, as I mentioned before, we're in the application section of Hebrews, and, and that really begins at, in chapter 10. And chapter 10 is an exhortation for these Jewish Christians who were under trial. They were being persecuted for their faith. Uh, chapter 10 is an exhortation for the church to continue to endure confidently under trials. Their, their faith is not in vain. And then in chapter 11, uh, the writer of Hebrews gives us a, a definition of faith in Hebrews 1 through 3 and, and then in verse 6. Let me read those to you. Uh, chapter 11, verse 1 it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. 
By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. Then verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please him, speaking of God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So then in chapter 11, the writer goes on to, to give what has been called the, the, faith, the faith of Hall of Fame. He, he refers to Abel, whose sacrifice was greater than Cain's, to, to Enoch, to Noah, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. And, and then he goes on to list those who were unnamed, who suffered and saw God do mighty things because they believed the promises of God. And then chapter 11 wraps up with these words in verse 39. Uh, and he says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect or complete. So, that, that, that's a reference really to the ultimate promise of redemption through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so the writer of Hebrews sets forth this, this hall of fame, if you will, of, of Old Testament believers who were faithful, who, 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 who trusted God's promises, even though they never saw the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise of a redeemer in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, so, so that... That, that promise, that this great cloud of witnesses that the writer of Hebrews refers to is for those who died looking for the coming of Jesus as our Redeemer. And his point is simple in verse 1. They longed for, they were looking for what we have received. We have been blessed beyond belief to live on this side of the cross, brothers and sisters, and in light of this, the, the writer of Hebrews continues, we must prepare ourselves to run the race that is set before us. Now, I mentioned before that the writer of Hebrews uses the metaphor of a race to describe the Christian life. And although it was Jews to whom the author initially wrote, it is clear that this particular group lived in a Greek culture where athletic competitions were both common and highly valued by the culture. Uh, I mentioned that there were hints as to, as to who the intended or the original audience really was. And this reference to, to, to competition of, of racing is, is one of those hints that these were Hellenistic Jews. Um, in those days, to compete well, an athlete had to prepare himself through physical training, through a strict diet and a lifestyle that gave the best chance to perform well. It was a big deal, but because of, for those who were not well off socially, those who weren't high up the social ladder, to become an athletic champion really got your foot in the door. You, you achieved standing. So, so you could go from being someone low on the social standing to someone who was, who was revered by being an athletic champion. And so those who competed took it very seriously. Success in, in the race demanded sacrifice and prioritizing one's preparation to compete. 
And the writer of Hebrews picks up on this idea in relation to the Christian life to to, to remind us that for us to be faithful, we too must prepare well. One commentator writes that Christians are already in a race, that the starter's pistol has already been fired, and the stadium is filled with faithful onlookers cheering us on as we must remove everything that would hinder our progress. Friends, if you watch the Olympics, you notice that the sprinters do something before they race. They, they take off their warm-ups, and they do so for a reason, because to run in their warm-ups would slow them down. They might be faster than you or I if they ran with them on, but against other top athletes, those things would serve as a hindrance to their performance. And as believers, clothes are not the problem. But friends, we must recognize that there can be and there are things that weigh us down as well. In verse 1, the the writer of Hebrews continues. He says, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Now, in the Greek, laying aside has the idea of uh, of putting something off or or taking something off that that, that is a hindrance. It's it's really a call for us to reject anything that would hinder our progress or our faithfulness as followers of Christ. We wouldn't run in the 100-yard dash in, in a weighted vest or in our snow boots because those things would, would, would hinder us from running our fastest. Now, the Hebrews were, were most likely weighted down by the legalistic practices or, or tendencies of Judaism. And the point of the book of Hebrews was to show why Jesus was better than all that. They, they didn't need to adopt certain uh, uh, ceremonial practices because Jesus was greater than all those things. And while we may struggle against different weights, different types of weights, there, there are still things that we must learn to lay aside. And these may not even necessarily be sinful things at face value. Take the time that we're in, this time with the pandemic, uh, when we're being encouraged by our our government leaders to to stay at home and not interact with others. There's a lot of uncertainty in our lives right now. Fear can be one of those things that, that is a hindrance to us running the Christian life well. Comfort is another potential hindrance security, entertainment. All of these things can serve as, as, as things that, that slow us down or things that, that, that keep us from, from trusting God in the midst of our circumstances, that, that keep us from pursuing things that, that are better for us. Here we are, and I'm going to allude back to this again at the end, uh, but we're at a time where, where many of us are stuck at home, if not almost all of us, uh, except for essential workers. We have a great opportunity to, to cultivate spiritual disciplines that help us grow in our faith. We need to be reading God's Word. We, we need to be spending time in prayer. We need to be worshiping together as 
families. And these are things that we don't just need to do during the quarantine, but, but also after it's over. This should be a part of who we are. And, and, and things like fear and comfort can, can keep us from going to God first. And so I'd encourage you to, to recognize that, that, that anything that, that keeps us from pursuing Christ faithfully can be considered a, a, a weight that needs to be put off. Trials like, like the ones that we are going through right now have a way of revealing those weights in our lives. And I pray that, that the Lord would give us eyes to see those hindrances that, that, that are, are, are keeping us from following Christ faithfully. Friends, all hindrances must be put off, sin included, if we are to run the race faithfully. This is obviously an ongoing process in our lives. As we prepare ourselves to, to run the race with endurance, we prepare every day. And, and the race that we're called to run, is it's not a sprint. It's lifelong until we see Jesus face to face. Interestingly enough, that, that word race in the Greek means to struggle or to fight. So, so it's not a sprint. It's a marathon that is lifelong. This race, our lives, have been set before us by God to run for his glory and his honor. And, and the writer of Hebrews calls us to, to prioritize how we prepare for and how we run this race, but he does not stop there. He also calls us in verse two to run with our eyes on Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something as we tr transition here to verse two. Now, when, when the writer of Hebrews refers to the great cloud of witnesses, he does not call us to follow their example. He says, in light of the fact that there are those who have gone before us, who are watching us run this race, those who did not receive the promise, we should prepare to run well, but the example that we look to is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the example that we follow rather than that great cloud of witnesses. Verse two, he says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now that phrase looking to in the Greek means to focus completely on him while looking away from everything else. Let that sink in. Understand something. Looking to Jesus plays a role in our preparation for faithfulness as well. As we focus on him and his finished work on the cross, that helps us to lay aside the sins and the distractions that slow us down. We should always be looking to Jesus. He is uh, the, 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 the reason for our salvation. He is the one who supplies our salvation. He purchased our salvation. And he is our motivation and our example that we are called to follow because he lived the life that as God has tended, intended for it to be lived. No sin in anything that he did. And everything that he did, he did for the glory of the Father. The writer of Hebrews goes on to describe Jesus as the founder and the perfecter of our faith. That word founder means the originator, the, the perfect example or the, the leader. And, and that word 
Perfecter means the one who brings it to completion. The founder and the perfecter of our faith is also the focus of our faith. And and here the writer of Hebrews focuses on the faithfulness of Jesus in calling us to be faithful ourselves. Verse 2 continues, he says, Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In the example of Jesus, we see a principle that should govern our lives now. The promise of a future perfect joy with God should motivate us to greater faithfulness now. The joy that was set before Jesus was not enduring the wrath of God on the cross. It was not the shameful treatment that he received at the hands of sinful men. The joy would be what was accomplished in all that Jesus endured. A people saved for his glory. The wisdom and the love of God perfectly displayed and the glory that God receives eternally because of the faithfulness of Jesus. It was for that future joy that Jesus endured all that he did to save us. It was on the the cross where Jesus suffered God's wrath for our sins. He died as a sinner, although he never sinned. He was beaten and shamed by the very people that he came to save. Those who beat and mocked him should have bowed before him, yet they shamed him instead. But thankfully, this shame and suffering for Jesus was temporary, and the writer of Hebrews reminds us that now Jesus is seated at the place of highest honor at the right hand of the throne of God. This, too, was the joy that was set before him. When Jesus came and he lived and he gave his life on the cross, bearing the wrath of God for our sins and and rose again from the grave, Jesus did all that needed to be done in order to purchase our salvation. He is our example, and the joy that is set before us is to be in his presence eternally. The effects of sin will be gone. The the, the fullness of pleasure as as we ascribe to him the glory that he is due will, will, will be our joy delighting in the presence of of the entire Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will be our joy. And if we don't long for this, we do not know him as we ought, brothers and sisters. We run the race of this life each and every day looking to the one who died to save us. Have you looked to him today, friend? Now, this would be a perfect time to, 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 to stop and to, and to reach out to anyone watching who, who may have not yet responded in faith to the gospel. The, the description here in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, uh, of the one who endured the cross and despised the shame, is the description of the one who offers redemption to you. Apart from what Jesus has done, you are in your sin. You are guilty before a holy God and you deserve his wrath. 
I don't say that lightly. But Jesus has provided the way, not just for your sins to be forgiven, but more importantly, that you will be restored to God forever. That is salvation. The wrath that you deserve for for all the the sins that you have committed, your rebellion against God has, has been poured out on Jesus on the cross. And the way to receive this salvation is through faith. We trust in what he has done in order to make us acceptable and accepted by God. We run the race of this life looking to the one who gave his life that we might live. Let us live for his glory. In verse three, the the, the writer of Hebrews calls us to continue to endure faithfully because Jesus himself endured faithfully for us. Now in verse two, we, we, we were exhorted to look to Jesus, seeing him and him alone as the focus of our faith. And here in verse three, the, the writer uses a different word to, to further sharpen our focus. In verse three, he says, consider him. The, the Greek word that's translated consider means to think deeply or carefully about something or someone. We get the word analyze from its root word. The writer calls us to examine Jesus' faithfulness when we suffer as a model for us to follow in faith. He endured such hostility so that we would be saved. So how can we not seek to follow that example? We are to constantly look to Jesus as our encouragement and our example as we face trials because he is the perfect model of faithfulness. So it says, it says, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Weary means to be fatigued or, or sickly in our faith. Faint-hearted means to be discouraged. Now, we have all experienced discouragement and, and emotional or spiritual fatigue. It, it happens to all of us. And one of the reasons we do so is because our focus is no longer on the Lord. Or, if it is, we aren't thinking rightly about him. And it's in situations like this when we are more prone to temptation as well, to to be hindered, to be weighted down by the very things we're called to cast off earlier in Hebrews chapter 12. In fact, if you continue reading in Hebrews chapter 12, the, the writer of Hebrews shifts his focus specifically on the need to stand up and to resist temptation in the next several verses. Brothers and sisters, focusing and keeping our focus on the Lord is key to enduring trials and overcoming sin. We need God's help to do this because let's be honest, it's our tendency to take our focus off the Lord and put it where? On ourselves, on our circumstances, on our fears. We need God's help to be faithful We need to seek him and his help in being more faithful. 
every day, brothers and sisters, not just during this trial, but every day for, for, for the rest of your Christian life. When you wake up in the morning, ask God for his help in keeping your eyes upon the Lord Jesus. Think about him as your example. Think about the great price he paid to save you. And when you were tempted to sin, think about all he endured when he paid the price to redeem you. Last week, we were reminded that God is at work for our good in these circumstances. This week, we see that the, the key to faithfulness in this race called our, life, our lives is, is to set aside all that hinders us and distracts us and, and learn to pursue Jesus wholeheartedly. Now, I mentioned before that a lot has changed with our daily schedules, so it's the perfect time for us to, to begin to build lasting habits, which will enable us to run well. I would encourage you to take time each day to, to read and to study God's Word and, and to spend time in prayer. For our church family, I've encouraged you to, to pray for your brothers and sisters by praying through the directory. You could even break it up uh, into seven days where you pray for different people in the church each day of the week. We need to be praying for our government leaders. Uh, on social media, we see so much division and ugliness in a time where what, what is needed from the church is a gospel witness. Pray for those whom we disagree with. Pray for wisdom for them. Pray pray for their salvation. Pray that, that we would have the opportunity to, to encourage and, and speak the words of the gospel to those who don't believe. Worship together as a family. Spend time as a family uh, each day praying about what we're going through. This is a perfect time for us to instill in our children the importance of faith and, and trusting Christ even as so much of what we tend to trust in has been stripped away from us with this pandemic. I would encourage you to take time to read good books, books that, that, that help us understand Scripture more, books that, that glorify the, the things that are honoring to God. I would encourage you also to, to develop a ministry of encouragement. You, you may not be able to see many of your friends and, and, and family members face-to-face, uh, but but your phone works. You can email, you can text, you can FaceTime or, or Zoom or, or whatever the latest uh, networking software is that, that people are using these days. But, but if we are wise and if we are intentional and we are seeking with God's help to run the race well, we will come out the other side of this pandemic and the trials that surround it closer to God and, and honoring him in all of our circumstances. Now, ladies, I, I, I don't mean anything ugly by this, but, but it, it's been a funny meme that is going around where people say that, that, that you know, in the next month, we're going to know what, what every woman's natural hair color actually is because no one's been able to go to the beauty parlor. What, 
And while that may be true for some, and for some of us, uh, uh, we're going to have funny haircuts and, and probably all weigh a little bit more. We're going to look different than we do right now because we, we can't get out and do the things that we normally do. There, there's one way that we need to come out looking differently through all this that the world needs to see, and that is that we look more like our Savior. And we're not going to get there by accident. We're going to get there as we prepare ourselves to run well. We're going to get there as we run with our eyes upon Jesus. And we're going to run as we run well as we endure the trials of this life with an eye to the one who endured well for us. May God help us do this well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Reach out to one another, love one another, glorify God during this trial. Thank you.